the now for something completely similar. Why? 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 Jason, we're still in isolation. Isolation is the thing that we are now. That's what our life is. That's what we're doing. Isolation. Woo! Isolation. Hana, hana, hana. What? <laughs> I don't know. I thought we were just doing the chorus. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. You should have written these lyrics out much clearer. Isolation, hung and dying, when you're sky, when you can feel it is so hard, all hard. Isolation. This is Bob Dylan's new weird album. It's a mix of Bob Dylan and U2 because I don't know the words to that U2 song. <laughs> oh, oh, I gotcha. Well, who does? So whenever I don't know the words, I turn into Bob Dylan. They seem like nice guys, but fuck U2. Wow. <laughs> Fuck you, Jason. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get this going. I'm uh, ready now. I'm, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. And this is another episode of For Screen and Country. Jason, normally on this podcast, we go through the British Film Institute Top 100 British Films of All Time. We talk about a movie on the list every week. We say, is it worth its salt? Does it deliver? Does it hold up? Is it influential? And we go through all that jazz. But right now, we're kind of in the midst. Of, we, we actually don't. We've never talked about the movie All That Jazz. I just want to make no. that clear right now. It's not British. Um, no, not yet. <laughs> not we're yet. We're, we're, we're in talks. It's in the works. Nish Kumar's um, going to star. <laughs> but, sure. <laughs> I don't know who that is. He's very British. He's very funny. <laughs> all right, well, the you know what qualifies I sure, I sure hope that's his name or I'm going to look like an asshole. <laughs> Keeping it in. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we usually do that. That's what we usually do on this show. But right now we're in the midst of a little mini series we like to call. And now for something completely similar. Which you heard at the top of the show. And that just means that we're looking at movies that are somewhat related to the movies on the bfi top 100 they could be sequels they could be prequels they could be remakes they could be movies uh based on the same source material they could be even closely resembling uh the movie i think for the most part we've had sequels remakes and uh different adaptations of the same prequels the odd prequel brendan the odd the odd prequel i mean we did have the rainbow which was technically a prequel better Um, prequel than episode one i'll tell you that yeah, and um, we've been kind of on a the, whatever the opposite of a hot streak is in terms of quality of some of these movies. A cold streak. <laughs> I guess I guess the opposite of hot is cold. Yeah. yeah. Um, as Jason said, uh, you know what? Quarantine fucks with your head, Jason. I, I forget a lot of things. Uh, Temperature is one of those things that you tend to forget when you're isolated. Will that streak continue this week? Will it not? We're going to find out. So this week we are talking about a movie uh, which is sort of a reboot, I guess, of sorts to a movie we dis- we discussed some time ago, and I think we both generally liked quite a bit. Yes, I would um, say. 
And it was number 94 on the list. It was called The Bells of St. Trinians, uh, starring uh, our old friend Alistair Sim in a dual role as, uh, God, I forgot the names. I think Clarissant and, Mil- uh, Claire Clarissant, yes. Clarence and Millicent Fritton, um, right. I believe are the characters' names. And in this one, it is a 2007 reboot and just like any old good old-fashioned reboot jason you got to cut right to the chase so this movie is simply called saint trinians that's right this movie is deep in the naughty oddies my friend That's right, baby. Naughty Oddies. It's a good time. Good time to be alive. So we dive right into this movie. Well, Jason, let's let's talk about who's in this movie, because this has a pretty great cast. I watched the uh, opening credits and was pleasantly surprised at how many names I recognized. uh, I... uh, was blown away by the amount of people in this that I like, I th- cause I thought this was, cause this was an independent movie. Mm. It should be noted right now. This was the, um, and th- this, maybe this will blow your mind. Cause I know it blew my mind. This is an independent movie and it was the highest grossing independent movie in Britain for 30 years. Yeah. Wow. Like 30 years prior to this. So like 1977 to 2007, this was the highest grossing independent film in Britain. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, how does that, how does, what you say this movie that was made in 2007? Like it, like it broke the record set oh. in 1977. Well, okay. So the natural next question is, what movie was that? I don't know. Brendan. Brendan. I just know. I just know it was the highest grossing movie in 30 years in Britain. Right. Highest grossing independent movie in Britain, we should say. Uh, so sorry, Kess, your reign of terror is over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's let's go through the cast here. So we've got uh, an actress who I I don't, I don't think I've ever seen her before, but it's uh, Tallulah Riley playing sure Annabelle Fritton. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I would have seen her in. I, I did look over her filmography and nothing really stood out too bad or too importantly that I noticed. Anyways, let me look here. <laughs> well, she, well, she plays she plays Annabelle Fritton. Um, we have uh, Gemma Arterton, and you might remember us mentioning Gemma Arterton from a past episode when we talked about Under the Skin. She was actually going to be the actress that played the role instead of Scarlett Johansson at first. Okay. And she plays uh, Kelly Jones, the head girl. Um, we have Rupert Everett playing Miss Camilla Fritton and Carnaby Fritton, basically doing the Alistair Sim role in this movie. Colin Firth is back again. We've seen him a lot lately. Uh, he's playing Jeffrey Thwaites, uh, the the Minister of Education, I believe. Is that is that what he's supposed to be? Yes. Yeah. He's, yeah. He, yeah. Exactly. He's he's the guy that had the mustache in the other movie. We was have. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> the have the only guy uh, with the mustache. We have Lena Lena Hetty as Miss Dickinson, the English teacher. Sarah Connor herself. What? She played Sarah Connor in the TV show, the Terminator, uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh, really? I did not yeah. know that. And she was also Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. And she was also the bad guy in fucking Judge Dredd. Well, not Judge Dredd, but Dredd. 
Oh, yeah, Judge Dredd was the good one, right? Dredd was the good one. I am the law. That was the good one, right? Uh, you are mistaken, sir. Oh, well, okay. I take Jeez, issue sir. with your assertion. Uh, we have Juno Temple as Celia, who's credited as Celia the Trustafarian. So I don't know what that's all about. That's, that's well, pr- I, I think a Trustafarian, uh, if if uh, my mind serves me right, Brendan, is a like a hippie. But they're a hippie because they're uh, like they have wealthy parents, and so that uh, affords them the money to be able to live a hippie lifestyle and not have to worry about money. Okay, fair enough. Juno Temple also in a great movie called Killer Joe. If no one's ever seen it, it's fantastic. It's really yeah, dark. Juno Temple's great, and she's in a small role in this movie, but uh, her hair is very prominent. <laughs> we have Toby Jones showing up yeah. as the Saint Trinian's bursar. Uh, one, one of two prominent Truman Capotes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Lucy Punch showing up as Verity Thwaites, uh, who's calling for his daughter in the movie. Misha Barton shows up for one scene as J.J. French. We have Stephen Fry showing up as himself. And yes. last but certainly not least, uh, Jason, making his uh, film debut is Russell Brand playing Flash Harry. In the role he was born to play. And the role he was born to play and they didn't do anything with. <laughs> I, I have some possibly new information. Uh, uh, did we watch the 2005 Pride and Prejudice? We didn't watch any Pride and Prejudice. Okay, so because Keira Knightley stars in that and that Mary, uh, uh, not Mary, but that uh, Tallulah Riley is in that. So I was wondering, we, we watched Sense and Sensibility, right? We watched Sense and Sensibility and the miniseries. Okay, we did not watch Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> we did so not. I don't, know where I, I don't know where I know we're from then. <laughs> we, we watched T2 Judgment Day for this podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Just so, that's a fantastic movie. St. Trinians, or as they say in this movie, St. Trinians. I think they say that in the original as well. I believe they do, um, but it's easier for me to say St. Trinian, so that's what I'm going to continue to say. So yet so again, J- I am amazed that Ealing is A, still a, uh, a picture company. Yes. <laughs> can, we, can we just start for a hot second with that? Because yeah. Ealing Studios came up on the screen, and I was like, 2007? Is this really? the same company? <laughs> Yeah, I know, and and also like our, our like our beloved uh, Happy Go Lucky, this film was partially funded by the United Kingdom Lottery. That's right. Someone said the lottery, and someone won the lottery, and they said, you know what? I'm gonna make a Saint Trinian's movie. I love that movie on TV as a kid. Let's have a sexy remake. And then that guy was arrested, but they took his uh, idea and toned it down a lot, and then made this movie. <laughs> yeah, he went on to manage uh, boy bands like NSYNC and yeah, Backstreet yeah. Boys. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, that guy. You know what I'm talking about. I do. I, I think I read an article about him in Cosmopolitan once when we used to have magazines at work. Uh, when we used to have magazines in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they're, they're still there. They're, hey, I see them. They still have them at Shoppers Drug Mart. Which is the airport. Which is, by the way, two places that you can go to right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, kids, go to Shoppers Drug Mart in the airport. Get your magazines now while you can. That's right. So, Jason... Tell us, pray do, pray tell us what this movie is about. Well, like the previous movie, this is about the School of St. Trinians, which is run by, uh, 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 what would you call her, uh, just Miss Miss Fritton? 
It's written. I believe in this name. Her. I believe in this movie. Her name is uh, Camilla because they make a. They go to great lengths to make her like Camilla Parker Bowles. You know what? It's funny. I didn't even think of that when watching it, but then now that you said it, it's like it's so obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's the only reason I I know the teeth, and then I was like, wait, her name is Camilla. Okay. So yeah, Rip River plays that character, uh, basically doing an Alistair Sim impression. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. I, I really like his his take on that role, but he is doing a straight impersonation of Alistair Sim. He has that voice trying to talk like this uh, when he's Clarence. And then this is like this is Camilla. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, she runs this school. It's full of uh, basically reject girls, girls that don't make it in any other schools, as I understand. And they're all kind of crammed into this school where they basically just have the run of it. Uh, they do whatever they want to do. They uh, like in the original, they they distill their own alcohol. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, Trinsky vodka. <laughs> <laughs> you got to brand it. You got to brand it. Absolutely. But uh, uh, yeah, so it's, so these girls have to run in the school. But then of course the minister of education comes along and he wants to. He's a hardliner and he wants to make an example of this school. Uh, uh, so he's gonna try to get them either to fall in line or they're gonna get shut down. Uh, also, they owe a bunch of money uh, on the school, and I think they want to also sell it off to make a bunch of money. I think, yeah. yeah, there's there's lots going on. There's a lot more going on in this one, I think, than there was in the previous one, <laughs> as far as these plot lines go of what's uh, what's happening. But overall, it's a very similar plot, but the ending is a bit different, where uh, where the original sort of ended with a big battle. <laughs> This one yeah. ends with a uh, like this a one heist. ends with a, a heist, yeah, full on heist, and like ev- of course, like every heist movie made in the last twenty two years, it has to have a reference to uh, entrapment in it. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was weird to me. I was like, I mean, that was a nine year old movie by that point. Yeah, I mean, in two thousand seven, people were still referencing entrapment. Like <laughs> that's that was the power of Catherine Zeta Jones behind in those times is that even through the the years that that still resonates. I mean, listen, I do remember Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back referencing that, but I mean, that came out like two years after Entrapped. Yeah, well, yeah, two, three years, like 2001. So, yeah, it wasn't wasn't that far away. Yeah. But lots of people have done Entrapment references. I defy you to find me a heist movie made since then that doesn't have some Entrapment reference. And if they just have a bad toupee, that counts. <laughs> well, I mean, not only Entrapment, but there's also a reference in this movie to the original Italian job. Um, I know we haven't talked about that movie yet, but there's a reference to it when they 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 go to blow up uh, this shed and the whole thing blows up and one of them's like, "Blast! I told you to just to blow off the doors." Yeah. <laughs> I laughed really hard at that. <laughs> um, I I I want to say though, right out of the gate, I love that this movie opens with them driving to the school and as they drive by the school, they just passed a burning car. <laughs> and it's <laughs> and never laughed. explained. I, I do like it's that. It's never explained, yeah. but I assume it has something to do with the school. And that's just the warning symbol they see. Just a car on fire is a portent of what's coming when they get there. <laughs> I do like a lot, like a lot of the little background jokes that don't really go explained. Like you said, like the burning car <laughs> yeah. for some reason that's there. Um, I will say. I feel like the tone in this movie is not as dark as the original. No, no. This movie is much goofier, for sure. There's no it's question. Much, it's much goofier, and they go to great lengths, I think, to make you like the characters a bit more. 
Um, like I feel like in the original and the bells of St. Trinians, we see Miss Fritton and there, there's no bones about it. She, she, I mean, she may, you know, kind of enjoy hanging out with the kids, but ultimately she's, she's in it for the money. And that's clear from the get go in this one. It's like, it's like, no, they turn her into a straight like hero. Yeah. She does love the kids and, and she, whatever her weird views on teaching are, she has that place as a place for them and she doesn't want to lose it. I like uh, I like the dialogue uh, in much of this uh, early on. Uh, Rupert Everett is having a scene with himself, and uh, Clarence or Carnaby is is talking. They're talking about how long it's been since they've seen each other, and Carnaby's or Camilla says, "Oh, it's been like twelve years or something." And he says, "I sent flowers," <laughs> and she yeah. said, "A wreath, a wreath <laughs> when Mother died." <laughs> well, that's a great little. That's a, that's a nice little scene. Let's listen to that right now. That's part of the fun of the place. Here is a breakdown of the school fees. Ah. Whiskey? There seems to be some kind of mistake. The barser never makes mistakes about money, unless it's for tax purposes. What about family discount? Family discount? You discounted the family years ago, Carnaby Fritton. When you ruin Great Art Wilson with your harebrained schemes and Swiss swindles! I've done nothing to feel guilty about. <gasps> your father has a short memory masquerading as a clear conscience. The fees are 4,000. 1,500. 3,000, take it or leave it. Let's go to 2,000 cash. 2,500. Two and a quarter. Two, three. Two, three? Done. Yeah, so it's literally much like the original. It's the lead actor having a conversation with himself while the other one is in drag. Yeah, and, and it works great in this movie. There's, a, I mean, in the original, we were impressed with the level of effects for the uh, the time. Hmm. But in this one, obviously, today, you can still... Today, the, the test is, do you notice it at all? And you don't really in this. No. There's, there's no real indication. So that proves that they've done a good job with this effect. Which, I to will be fair, say, they've been doing since Multiplicity with perfection. <laughs> yes. That, that, that movie, if, if one word can be used to describe it, it would be perfection. He, he, he has that whole scene where he, like, tosses the beer to himself and he's on the couch. Fucking perfection. Yeah. Give it all the Oscars. Yep. Michael Keaton should have been nominated five times in that yeah, category. Just all, just all best lead actor, Michael Keaton, <laughs> for each of, the clone, each of the clones he plays. We need a time machine to make this happen, Brendan. Well, uh, nobody else. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> All right. We got lots of time. We'll get this done. We'll go back to when there was no disease. <laughs> um, so we're not time traveling then? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Rupert Everett talking to himself. And I will say out of the gate, I think Rupert Everett does a great job in this movie. Um, yeah. He basically is doing an impression of Alistair Sim, like you said. The one thing that I think makes his performance also not as good as Alistair Sims is I never for one moment forgot that it was him. Like I I feel like in the original movie, as much as it's like kind of obvious that it's a guy, um, there were several times that I just forgot. It was just like, Oh, Miss Fritton in this movie. I was just like, Oh, it's Rupert Everett. Like the whole time. See, I go, uh, I literally have written in my notes here. Rupert makes a better woman than Alistair. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I thought his performance was great, and I, I didn't disbelieve him in that role at all for a moment. I, hmm. I thought he was great the whole movie through. Well, I mean, you probably also didn't have Rupert Everett uh, yelling 
had a young female co-star on the set of this movie, so that's probably, probably about, not. About He's probably much nicer. At least I sure yeah. hope he is. <laughs> this, this movie also takes a bit of a different tack. I think it builds on what you said earlier. They basically, like, they, they – I feel like we get a clearer sense of who uh, various students are, whereas in the original there was only a very select few that we had any, any interactions with um, mm. compared to just the rest of them just being a mob of girls that were part of the school. Like uh, the personalities on display because we've got like you know we got the tall computer hacker girl we've got uh, Juno Temple we got the, the the twin girls that are the demolition experts we've got you yeah. know the head yeah. girl you've got the four that's a PR expert like the posh totties as well don't forget the posh totties and the goths or well and the emos I the guess emos thank you Jason jeez <laughs> I mean yeah we have and, and like this movie definitely follows. Annabelle, like the main girl played by Tallulah Riley, as like a central character. Whereas I found like the original one, it was more based around Alistair Sim. And that might just be because it was Alistair Sim and they knew where the money was at. Yeah, no, this was definitely an ensemble piece and, and kind of allowed everybody to shine through. And is one of the reasons I, I kind of, you know, that I do like this film is that, yeah, it was everybody got some face time and it, it felt good because of that. Mm. What is, so there's a lot of modern updates in this movie. Mm. I, I do like, like the line that uh, Tallulah, what is it? Tallulah says, I guess, um, what's her character's name? Annabelle. Annabelle. Yeah. yeah the doll, Annabelle, the she, says, she describes the school as like Hogwarts for Pikeys. <laughs> Pikeys, of course, being a slur for the uh, Irish traveler community, an ethnic group originating in Ireland and also found in Great Britain. And my only cultural touchstone with Pikeys is Brad Pitt's character in, in uh, uh, Snatch. If only every character in this movie talked like that. I know. Oh, that'd be fucking great. <laughs> Subtitles all the way, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like the other, the other things are like, there's some, there's some of the modern references feel a little tacked on. Like they're like talking about like, Oh, we're going live on YouTube. And it's like, Oh, I got to go watch desperate housewives. And it's, it all feels a little, a little uh, weird in this movie. I don't know. I feel like, like even the original film was kind of a period piece. Mm. And I thought it was weird that they didn't like kind of go with that again. Like it, it, it's weird to be like St. Trinian's in 2007. See, I, I don't know. I, I think I feel like St. Trinian's was contemporary to that era. Like you could you could say that. But also things were less different maybe between 1920 and 1940, say, than they would be between 1940 and 1960 or 20, 2000 and 2020. I don't know. You said a lot of numbers. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a numbers guy, Brandon. I love them. All right. Run some numbers for me then. Uh, we got 42. That's a good number. Yeah. That's, Kyle, that's the Kyle Petty. Uh, and then we've got four, 43, of course, and that's the oh. Richard Petty. Okay. Uh, uh, and then we've got... What's the, uh, what's uh, the Tom Petty? Uh, that would be... Uh, <laughs> what What Tom Petty-related number would make the most sense? Uh, oh, I figured to say the year he died. That would be a 69, because he liked American girls. That was what that song was about, right? How he wanted to fuck American girls. Yeah, sure. I don't know. You you yeah. talking about uh, she was ref- an American girl? Oh, I thought you were talking about you don't have to live like a refugee. But she wasn't a refugee. Yeah, well, not the Tom Petty she was. No, no. <laughs> Guys, if you're sitting there being like this conversation makes no sense, you're absolutely right. But that's okay. That's okay, because that's what you come here for, I hope. And if you don't, uh, well, you've picked the wrong podcast, and move along. Yeah. <laughs> don't move along. Nothing to see here. Just a bunch of St. Trinians talk. Move along. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah, well, you should go home. You should stay you home right now, guys. Stay, stay the fuck home. <laughs> 
Um, well, let's talk about uh, one of the major character. Another major character that makes it into this movie is Flash Harry. Yes. Uh, in the original film, I think he was. I mean, outside of Alistair Sim, I think he was my favorite character in that movie. I think we also saw that actor show up in um, Goodbye, Mr. Chips, doing a very good job in that one as well. Absolutely. In this one, Russell Brand plays him. And I... I'm a Russell. I, I like Russell Brand. I think he's. I think he's funny. I think he's very. Uh, aside from the acting, he's a pretty intelligent man. Yes. Um, I mean he, he's got no fear. Like I think I was reading something where he was at like a Hugo Boss event and he made a comment about Hugo Boss designing lovely outfits for the Nazis back in the day. Yep. And they so do. he's got. No, <laughs> he's, he's, there's no. There's no. Uh, there's no hesitation with him. Um. I will say, though, and I don't know if this is it's because it's weird because I know it's his first film, but it feels like they're just kind of it's just kind of Russell Brand. Like, it doesn't really yeah. feel like he's playing that character. <laughs> like, I feel like he was wearing the clothes that he just happened to wear that day. They just put a hat on him and, and put him in the scene. And I mean, I don't want to like get personal here or anything, but I, I don't know. Was this when he was in the midst of some of his like issues with drugs? 2007. I mean, that sounds like that could have been then possibly. Because um, there was something just a little off about his performance, and I thought about that, and I said, "Well, that's terrible, Brendan. Don't think like that." But then I said, "You know what? That could be it." Yeah, it's possible. He, did, I, I felt like if there was anybody that didn't really did, did, didn't uh, uh, get enough screen time in this movie, it was him, just because I felt like he was very a minor character in this yeah. version. I feel like Flash got even more uh, screen time in the previous version. Well, let's that's, just, but that's okay. But that's okay because you know what? You know what? I just I just want to correct myself here right now because I'm just looking it up now. He was he has been clean since December of 2002. So. Oh, okay. Well, then he was five years in at that point. My mistake. Maybe he was just maybe he was just having a bad day. He, uh, first movie jitters. Yeah, sure. Just just it, it, he didn't. I don't know. It seemed like he didn't have the Russell Brand confidence that I'm used to seeing in his movies. And I think that also kind of goes into the character too, because in in the Bells of Saint Trinians, I feel like Flash Harry doesn't really have a well, he doesn't really have a lot of morals. Let's just say no, certainly not. Um, but they have they make Russell Brand, his version of Flash Harry has like a crush on one of the older girls, and it's not only <laughs> is it kind of weird, <laughs> but but it's also like it just doesn't feel like right for okay, that character. But- True, and but and I was gonna say it doesn't feel right because he's having he has he's interested in a relationship with this older girl, but also one of the older girls blows a security guard at the uh, at the uh, or at least it's implied at the art gallery when they're trying to figure out their heist mm-hmm. to get him out of the room. <laughs> I mean that's true, but but that's like I think that's different than him like actually wanting to like romance this girl. Hmm. Well, he's just, I think he's, that he's a good fella. He just he wants to take care of her, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just it didn't feel like a Flash Harry characteristic. Let's just listen. Let, let's listen to a little bit of Flash Harry because listen to the way he talks and then the way he talks when he like is talking to uh, uh, Kelly Jones, who's the head girl, when he's kind of into her. I don't know. It just doesn't fit for me. Nice. Wow. What have we here? But it looks lovely. Anyway, like Christmas. Oh, what's this thing? Like, uh, like sweets? Is it a cigar? Hey, look at me! It's a tampon flash. What? Oh! Designer tampon. Why? Why do you do that? A woman doesn't only want to look beautiful on the outside. I can't see the product I don't believe in. Come on. You wanted a word, Flash? 
He just wanted to take her out for some some food, some delicious food on High Street. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy. Although, yes, yes. I mean, Russell Brand, even at that point, looks far older than a high school girl. <laughs> it's not like Flash Harry's 21 and just like, oh, this girl. Yeah, maybe. No, Flash Harry's got to be 32. Easy. Yeah, I mean, and and I think Gemma Arterson is like 20 at the time. So she still looks very young. And he, uh, yeah, Russell Brand has always looked the same age, like he said, which is about 33 years old. And also Flash, as you mentioned, does have some morals in this one when it suggested that they could uh, kidnap to, to get money, that they could kidnap like a noble woman and then cut her finger <laughs> or cut her body pieces off one at a time and send them until they got the ransom. Uh, he dismissed that as positively medieval. So he won't do that. He would do anything for these girls, but he won't do that. No, he's just he's just your run of the mill average, uh, you know, uh, thug kind of. Yeah, What's the word I'm looking for not gangster, not thug. There's another word, not ne'er, maybe ne'er do well. Well, well, he's described in, in the in the movie as a as a spiv. Mm, that's a good word, a spiv. Yeah, sounds like I'm dangerously close to a to a slur, but <laughs> I would say probably yeah. So be careful. But that is how he is credited in the actual credits. So no, just spiv, <laughs> just flash Harry, comma a spiv. <laughs> it's a very positively old-fashioned way of credits i like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's like shakespearean uh, the, if, i mean yes this all oh, this movie is basically shakespeare clearly i like i like that um annabelle gets uh you can't do that on television right out of the gate uh, when they when she goes in and gets introduced to the clicks and then it is shown to her bed they promptly slime her mm. and then feather her for good measure so Congrats to her those old traditions alive. And then she's like, she's like running around and her clothes get taken off and there's all kinds of nonsense. Then they commit a sex crime by having cameras in the shower. And as she's taking a shower to clean off this shit and they steal her clothes. And so she has to run through the school naked on multiple cameras that are streaming over the internet to get her clothes back. (laughs) Right. And at one point falls down on the floor and then the ladies uh, see her and walk over top of her. and And just say girl (laughs) new girl brushing it off walking away um i going back to russell brand just for a second though i also don't think his i I also wish he had more of that weird entrance that the original flash harry had where he's just kind of stumbling in from the bushes yeah like i always thought that was like a fun part of that character but he literally he just drives in in his van he's like hey girls i'm here for the alcohol and i was like oh okay not even an attempt at subtlety not even like a fun like what? Where did he come from? And Russell Brand's the kind of guy that you can see coming into the bushes and it's probably going to uh, get a laugh. 
Exactly. I mean, I guess nobody really knew who he was that much. I mean, he must have been doing like stand up and shit before that. Well, he was big on the radio in the UK. He he got into some trouble over the years on the radio. What? <laughs> I know. It's amazing, isn't it? That's uh, that's crazy. I, I have to give out a hearty. What? No, <laughs> no, not Russell Brand. Again, I just don't get the vibe. I will say the one the one thing I really do like what he does here, and we'll, I'll play a clip of this right now too, is when he goes undercover. Um, so basically at one point, um, Carnaby Fritton, uh, the, the male version of Rupert Everett's characters, uh, he he's um, – basically their heist is they're going to steal this painting, right? Yes. And they're going to have um, – they're going to they're gonna have Carnaby buy it from them. Am I getting am I getting this right? Yes. Carnaby's going to buy it from them, and he they have to make the, him think that Russell Brand is like this German art dealer uh, yes. that, that, that he Carnaby admires, is like, but somehow in 2007 does not know what he looks like. Right. I mean, they referenced YouTube and the internet several times. Yeah, but but no picture of this guy online. He's uh, very private, I guess. And I think they throw in this as a last minute thing to throw off Russell Brand, but they say, oh, and also he's really gay yeah <laughs> and there's a, there's a there's a tinge i'm not saying it's a lot but there's a tingy bit of gay panic humor in this movie hmm. well was it a lie or or was it actually true that was what my confusion was like I why would they was, why would they throw him a curveball like that just to fuck with him like they, I, I think him. they just i think they did it to mess with him a little bit because i mean it is possible that a gay guy could have a daughter that's not a crazy thing that exists Oh, no, no, no. I don't mean – I mean they tell Russell Brand that his character is supposed to be gay. Yeah, but does but is, does it ever come up any in any other fashion in the movie what the guy's sexuality is? Russell Brand's character? No, 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 no. Uh, 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 Carnaby's. Carnaby's. No, no. I think he's just doing that to get close with them. Oh, or, or wait. Were they saying that I, the, I'm the saying, German guy I'm was saying, super gay? Yeah, no, I'm saying is when they tell Russell Brand to go undercover and yes. Tulula Riley's like, oh, and also you have to be uh, gay because he's gay in real life. And she kind of snickers. And then oh, but she's so she's talking about the German guy. Yes. OK, see, that was my confusion. I thought that she was talking about Carnaby. <laughs> Carnaby no, was no, no, no. She was, no, she was telling she was telling Flash Harry that he needed to he needed to also be gay um, for this character, for this kind of. Uh, character he was going undercover all as. Right, all right, it makes more sense now. Because otherwise, was... it seems like a weird thing to tell him. Oh yeah, by the way, the guy's also gay, so play that up. No, <laughs> no. So she, he, yeah, she tells uh, Russell Brand to play up the gay thing, and he kind of shudders a little bit, and there's a little bit of like panic later on. It's not like major, but it's 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 there. The, yeah, the framework is there. But he still he he gets over pretty quick and gets the job done. I mean, this isn't fucking. This isn't fucking uh, Wild Hogs, where John C. McGinley is trying to rape Martin Lawrence for the whole movie. <laughs> but you know. Wow, I, I I should should I guess I should watch that movie. I suppose. I see what that's about. I don't believe you should. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Twist my rubber arm. So let's listen to that little scene of him uh, talking to uh, Carnaby because I think it is probably the best thing that he does in the movie. Duh. Why is it that the first face I see is not only the handsomest face in this room, but also the very face I came here to talk to? It must be fate. Uh, uh, you are? German. Whereabouts in Germany? Bayern Munich. It's a football team. Yes, and I'm their number one fan. 
in this movie, uh, we see actually, as opposed to just have it implied as in the previous film, we actually see a full on like field hockey game. Uh, yeah, and it lasts quite a while. Yeah, and it's it's quite interesting and violent, and because uh, 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 we have a school bully from a different school who's the daughter of uh, Colin Firth's character, mm-hmm. and she's a real bitch, and she has a history with Annabelle. Wait, wait, wasn't Annabelle the bully in the in the original? Like um, she was brought, like he basically brought her in and foisted her upon uh, uh, Miss Fritton, and then think, she was kind of an asshole. I think she was just kind of snobby. Honestly, in this movie, um, this character is very much like she, there's nothing evil about her. She's just kind of is she. Well, she and she went to this like good school, which is the yeah. school that has that uh, the, the Colin Firth's daughter, who's like the bully or whatever. Yeah, a real then, private school or, or public school, as they would say in England. Yeah. And and so she didn't it didn't work out there. So they're the team that comes over to play against St. Trinian's. What I don't care for, though, is like. I like in the original movie where they're having their their game um, that the other school isn't really that evil. They just get like upstaged at every moment. Yeah, that's like, that's like, the modern the modern touch on it that we have to have, we have to have a reason to hate this person. Yeah, in in the in the original film, I mean, the opposing team does nothing wrong. And and that to me was where a lot of the comedy came in that such yeah like you say that was one of the co- the things that one of the reasons why the comedy came from it for me was just the idea that this team did nothing wrong they're literally just there to play a clean game of fucking field yeah. hockey and they get the shit kicked out of them like brutalized I mean yeah. like and the old their their biggest crime is that they're I think the teacher uh, gets a little mouthy on the sidelines and then gets hit in the head with a fucking cricket bat or something. Uh, yeah, but in this in this one, of course, the the bully gets hit in the mouth with a uh, uh, a field hockey ball. Yeah, well, that's later, it's, isn't it? Well, it's 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 in that uh, it's in that match. Mm-hmm. And then she gets hit in the face later by a I don't know if it's a cell phone that she hits with the with the hockey stick in like the back of the skull. Yeah, <laughs> it just knocks her the fuck out. Um. Uh, should we talk about the uh, the the posh totties? Because they they do they do represent like a bigger a bigger part of this movie than than the original one. <laughs> I'm reminded of when they're on the sidelines during the game and and uh, she uh, Miss Fritton says, "Oh, and uh, what, what do you think of my girls?" <laughs> and then the other teacher screams, "Horse, <laughs> Rose, horse! You you and, follow this?" <laughs> I, I I totally I totally missed that. <laughs> You missed that joke. Oh, that made me laugh so hard. And then, and then uh, at some point uh, later, she uh, Miss Fritton says like, "Oh, stupid cow." And then she, the other one was like, "What?" And she's like, "Oh, uh, Millie, stupid cow." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the posh toddies. Let's get let's get into that that, that whole thing. The uh, the the group of uh, popular, well dressed, uh, celebrity seeking ladies that uh, one of them blows the guard for access to that room. Yeah, they have a weird character arc. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I know. It's like a weird, a weird like kind of C plot in this movie of them wanting to be celebrities. <laughs> so yeah, they want to be celebrities, and the whole thing is like, okay, does in order to steal this painting that they're yeah. going to get money for, which I want to get back to because there's some, there's a few clever little jokes about it. Nice. Um, but they want in order to steal this painting at the same time. There's like a game show going on in the same building. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like what school challenge. It? Yeah, school challenge, which is similar to here in Canada, we have a, a thing for high schoolers called Reach for the Top. Which yeah, is a very so similar guess, idea where it's trivia contests essentially. I guess when they came up with the name for this, the writer was at home or something. <laughs> um, but they they basically uh, come up with the idea for some reason I don't know why, but because they're supposed to be like ditzy too, and yeah. they they pick like the three ditziest girls to go into this trivia challenge. Um, and they get instructed, and I'll play this too, but they get instructed by um, this this American, the only American in the movie. Are you sure uh, she's American? She sounded like a little bit like like Irish or, or I don't know, Welsh maybe or something to, like there. There was a bit of an accent, but it wasn't fully there. See, I thought she just had an American accent. Oh, maybe. But it's Misha Barton, um, who you guys – who Jason obviously knows from a show he watched uh, – he's watched all of called The O.C. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. Every episode. Her and Olivia Wilde, baby. (laughs) Yeah. We're gross. California (laughs) knows how to party. That's a theme song, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say, California, super good to the homeless. (laughs) California, it's really cool if you're homeless. But yeah, so Misha Barton plays uh, JJ French, who is like a sort of like a what, like a uh, going viral coach. <laughs> like, she, she'd be, she, yeah, she'd be like a some. She'd be somebody you'd hire today uh, who'd teach you how to use Instagram. <laughs> she, yeah, she'd be like she'd be like the fucking um uh like like Jake Paul uh t- trying to get people to invest in his like monthly program to teach you how to go viral it's such a by the way guys it's such bullshit don't sign up for that shit you're not you're never gonna waste that much money again are you brendan don't give him money i <laughs> listen jason he made me so many promises that's what he does all he did was all all that ended up happening was he ended up having a boxing match with me yeah yeah me him and he, and, and, and he didn't even show up he sent logan yeah, I I mean I beat I beat him. Yeah, well, obviously. It, it was me, him, and Uwe Boll. We all had a party afterwards. I would pay good money to watch Uwe Boll beat the shit out of one of the Paul brothers. <laughs> and then somebody can beat up Uwe Boll. Well, I don't know. He's pretty tough. <laughs> I can only dream. Uwe Boll, uh, <laughs> genuine, um, genuine enemy of my other podcast. <laughs> Well, do you know the story from Something Awful? Uh, the guy that ran, uh, which is a wonderful website, Something Awful from years back, a uh, comedy website, Rich Low Tax Kayanka, uh, took took Uwe Ball up on his challenge to have a boxing match. And, and Rich, you know, I, I like Rich Kayanka, but, I mean, he's an internet nerd, and he just got the living shit kicked out of him by Uwe Ball. Because Uwe Ball is actually trained, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a short little bulldog. He's got that Bob Hoskins frame. He's made it of pure uranium. He is the densest human known to mankind. So basically, fuck you is what I'm saying. That's right. That's why he keeps making those movies. Nobody can stop him. They literally cannot stop him. It is impossible to stop him. Oh, I think he stopped now. He hasn't made a movie yeah, in a long while. because he wanted to stop. No, I think it's because he said basically, fuck you, Kickstarter. I, maybe I don't want to make a movie. Maybe I'll just golf all my life. I don't care. 
fuck you. The movie I make yourself. is the life I live. <laughs> go fuck yourself with your fucking Hollywood fucking Marvel bullshit. <laughs> oh, watch any of his videos. They're gold. What were we going on about? <laughs> uh, we were talking about uh, St. Trinian's. Oh, uh, JJ French. So, yes. So, yeah, uh, just, just listen to this a little bit. Get yourself on camera and the world can be your oyster. One day you're on school challenge, next it's Love Island, and before you know it, you've married a footballer and bought the Bahamas. <laughs> but easy now, girls, because if you don't take that moment, blink, and it's back to obscurity. Bye, girls. Jog on. So who? JJ French, our last head girl, now turned PR guru. People want soap opera. They want to know how to get your look, what diet you're on. They want to know all about your broken hearts and your fashion disasters. But keep them talking. That's the game. That's genius. Then why isn't everybody famous? Because they don't have me. You need to play an angle. Look at Liz Hurley. She wore that dress and what happened? An acting career, her own clothing line, and a 15-page wedding in Hello! magazine. Now that's genius. <laughs> okay, so here's a little tip I learned from Paris. Hilton, France. Put on a pair of YSLs and the whole world will think you're a total brainiac. <laughs> so... They, she tells them basically you get all these sponsors. You, you get it. At one point, there's a scene where she's like, "Well, of course, I'll have her say the brand. Uh, I'll have her say the brand name on air." And then you yeah. see one of the girls answering Apple. And I'm like, "What? How did she know that was going to be the right answer to something?" Well, to be fair, they do know the answers. To be fair. To be fair. Because they've got headsets plugged into their ears, and this is allowing these girls to uh, uh, compete. But I don't uh, think J.J. French knows this. Which is one of the more ridiculous things in the movie, where in the very first competition, they start uh, – Stephen Fry starts asking the questions, and before he can get, like, two words out of his mouth, they answer them. Okay. <laughs> How is that not a red flag? <laughs> yeah. How does that so, not – just maybe mm, – but maybe it's because they're pretty, and that was the whole point, is that by having these three pretty girls up there, nobody will question it. I was uh... – Somewhat surprised by Stephen Fry's cameo as himself. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's the guy. I mean, he would be the guy you would want to host a trivia uh, show like that. Has he done like game show stuff? Yeah, QI. Have you never heard of QI? I have not. I'm oh, sorry. dude, QI is the best. It's. I mean, now he doesn't do it anymore, but he did it for like, Jesus, like 15 years or something. Didn't uh, it used to be called Queer Eye? No, it's called okay. QI for quite okay. interesting. For the straight and, guy. Yeah, no, it's just it's quite, just Stephen Fry. He's quite just quite interesting, interesting for the quite, straight guy and Stephen Fry. Quite interesting for all people of all sexualities across a broad spectrum of humanity. Fine, you fucking PC moron. That's right. And yeah, it, it was basically an, it, it it was formatted like a game show in in how many British shows are, but it wasn't really. It's like the points don't really mean anything other than he assigns a winner at the end. Um, but yeah, it's so, a great show. So the points were basically like whose line is it anyway? Yeah, but yeah, whose line is it anyway is is kind of America's view into like the British panel show and this idea that there's a game that is an excuse for everybody to be there and playing, but really it's just a vessel for these comedians to be funny. Well, and, well, I mean, an American, but you should note, uh, still a remake of a British show though. What? 
Whose lines is it anyway? Yeah, no, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying yeah. is that that yeah. format is a uh, is a window into the British kind of style of of those like celebrity based shows. Although whose line was more specifically improv, but uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I highly recommend those shows. You know, uh, QI is great, and uh, the last leg's pretty funny, and eight out of ten cats and eight out of ten cats does countdown. Both fantastic. Jimmy Carr, check them out. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about British movies, and this movie is Saint Trinian's. And Brendan, yes, uh, they drug their opponents at one point as well. <laughs> they gave them uh, mushrooms, mushrooms and chamomile tea. tea. Yeah. Or yeah, just or probably just mushroom tea, and these guys all look like hippies, anyways. So they're they probably are, you know. I wonder if they did that so it wasn't like cruel, so they they, they make them look like hippies because if they just look like you know like like nerd kids at a school, that's a pretty fucking evil thing. Giving these kids who don't have any reference in drugs this powerful hallucinogen for the very first time, that is a cruel act. But giving mushroom tea to a bunch of fucking hippies, that is a gift. That's a Polaroid moment. Absolutely. So, um, but, but, but I thought, I thought it was a bit extreme, but Hey, it worked. And then and it leads to a very strange thing. So Colin Firth is there at the competition because it turns out that of course the school they're up against at the end is the one his daughter goes to. Mm-hmm. And he sees that they're like, he sees like a plug, uh, and someone kind of feeding answers. So he knows what's going on. So he, he kind of strolls over and unplugs it. And then suddenly, you know, the girl, and then the girls even react like, ow, my ears. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then they're suddenly not giving the answers anymore. Um, and then during the break, you have one of them storming off. And it's a real weird thing because the English teacher at one point, I'm watching this. I'm like, are they going to kiss? <laughs> but, the, but the English teacher looks at her and is like, you're smart because you're sexy and sexy is smart. And then suddenly they know all the answers. Yeah, they just suddenly it comes out of nowhere. But then a, a pep talk, I guess, unlocks something in her brain that allows her to know the answers. And uh, so they just start winning on their own accord. And it turns out they're actually pretty smart. Yeah, it was a real uh, hangover moment where, like, <laughs> all the equations are on screen and shit. Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> it was real strange. Um, one Another um, plot uh, thing we have to talk about is the, is the relationship between uh, Colin Firth and Rupert Everett as yes. Camilla. Yes, this this was something that was new to this version uh, uh, where they have a history that is only well, it's not it's not really explicitly explained. Is that they went to university together and clearly they had some sort of uh, liaison. Well, they do have. I'm pretty sure they sleep with each other later. They do, yes. Yeah, and and uh, it's implied that I think it's implied that Rupert Everett raped him. Well, yeah, I think so. Or, well, that was what I wasn't sure on whether whether he was, or whether she had actually had sex with him, or whether they had like basically because earlier on he gets drunk and then passes out, right? So mm-hmm. did she just put him in that position for him to think that that's what had happened? Uh, but then after he wakes up, they chat briefly where he's like, "What happened?" And then I think they do have sex, <laughs> or they start to, anyways. Yeah. Because it'd be yeah, right because it pans up to the pineapple and they're going to town. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think this movie uh could have used some more uh could have used some more balls and just had them kiss. I was surprised they never had a moment like that. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say this movie goes a lot because I literally have written it down in my notes. Wow, the 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 1954 movie could not have something like this happen. Um, and then they didn't really end up doing anything. So I was like, oh, maybe they could have then. <laughs> Yeah, I think if they'd made this movie today, they'd have gone all the way. 
I, I think because um, I remember in the original film, they even have a little bit uh, suggesting that Flash Harry might want to go mm, at, yeah. uh, at, at, at Millicent. And it's a weird mother son kind of relationship. Well, especially concerning the considering the real relationship between those two actors. Yeah. Kind of a mentor mentee kind of thing. Yeah. Mentee. The yeah. fresh maker. Not my favorite. My favorite <laughs> slogan. You know, what my favorite slogan is for ads. Yeah, go for it. The best part of waking up is forges in your cup. <sighs> well, let's, let's, let's listen to a brief clip of uh, Miss Fritton and Jeffrey, yeah. as played by uh, Colin Firth, kind of hitting on each other. <laughs> I don't expect you've met our new Minister of Education. Miss Fritton. So you have met? University. We were the toast of the Dramatic Society. Look, oh, Geoffrey. Another time. Another country. <laughs> so, to what the way of the pleasure? Well, I've heard that your school is a hotbed of anarchy, ill discipline. Oh. Your academic results are a disaster. So <laughs> I am here to help. Come along, girls. Oh, how lovely. Um, I've got some shelves that they're putting up, and the kitchens could do with a good scrap. Some <laughs> sanitary catering facilities, I'll be sure to add that to the list. <laughs> you know, Camilla, I think you'll find you and I both want the same things. Hmm. We just happen to be sitting on different sides of the table. Table? Mortuary slab, I'd say, Geoffrey. You just want a straitjacket us with your limited curriculum, which has become, let's face it, nothing more than state-circulated Chinese whispers, and you call it education. You know what this movie has in the great tradition of British films, Brendan? British people. Yep, but you know what else? Uh, British locations. A dog being murdered. Oh, that was so so upsetting. So he, so yeah, he he murders uh, uh, the dog, and he, and he comes after when he first encounters the dog, uh, aka Mr. Darcy. Uh, Mr. Yes. Darcy is just humping his leg, and and he tries to shake him off, but Mr. Darcy finishes. <laughs> and well, Miss Fritton, Miss Fritton has a line that makes me laugh very hard. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna play it? No, go ahead. Where where he goes? Oh, Mr. Darcy likes you, and then pauses, and the dog runs away, and she goes, "Oh, just let it dry, then a good stiff brush." <laughs> <laughs> good lord! But in the way the dog dies, it's not even like it's like the most like you don't see anything, but it's most gr- implied grisly f- end ever. But it's, but it's like, also so cartoonish in its uh, execution. <laughs> he he kicks he kicks the dog flies through the window and directly into like a lawnmower. Yes. Oh. Yes. Man. And just completely shredded. Well, but then I'm glad that, you... I was gonna say, but then that leads us to uh, a wonderful funeral scene where they bury the little doggy and we have uh, a lovely shot of all the girls at St. Trinian's lined up along like the, the ledges and the battlements of the school and everything. And they're all standing there and they're all wearing dark sunglasses. Apparently this is another reference to the Italian job from what I, from what I've under, understand. Ah, yeah. So I just thought movie. it was a reference to, to mob movies or like, well, like movies. Yeah. You see funerals and people are all wearing the dark sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's like a, it's like a, there's a, there's a funeral scene like that with like mob members okay. in uh, the Italian job. And I think it's a direct reference to that. Um, we're talking about references to a movie we haven't even watched yet for the show. So <laughs> that's true. But, but uh, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought up that the dog was named Mr. Darcy because we have to talk about some of the little clever inside jokes 
or not inside jokes, but I guess references and stuff in this movie. Um, the dog is named Mr. Darcy, and I think it's funny that Colin Firth is trying to shake him off. Like it's almost like, yes, I was in Pride and Prejudice. Leave it alone now, <laughs> because of course that is his character in Pride and Prejudice is Mr. Yes. Darcy. Um, and and the other thing is the painting that they steal is Girl with a Pearl Earring. <laughs> You're going to steal Scarlett Johansson? Which I didn't get that joke right away. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that movie. And I was like, who the fuck remembers the movie Girl with a Pearl Earring from 2003? I, hey, I didn't get it until you just said it. I just thought I just thought it was a dumb girl thinking it was Scarlett Johansson. I didn't even real, think of it in connection to the title of the painting. <laughs> I had to look it up because I was like, well, hold on a second. What's the joke here? <laughs> um. And and then they have a reference later where they're in the they're looking at the uh, the picture and uh, the girl said like she is gorgeous. No wonder Colin Firth wanted to shag her because <laughs> yeah. Colin Firth is in Girl with a Pearl Earring, the movie. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Yeah, so it's like a little meta weird joke with him also being in this movie. Something fun um, for the parents watching. That's right. Uh, apparently there's some like shots in this movie too with Colin Firth that are like directly lifted from Pride and Prejudice, like <laughs> when he uh, falls into the fountain and he's just like kind of dripping in water and walking away. That's apparently directly from it. Wow. Uh, there's another there's another scene later on where Stephen Fry actually asks one of the questions. He says, "Which book was originally titled First Impressions?" And that the answer to that is Pride and Prejudice. Huh. So another this this was my favorite little reference because it happens quick and you don't really think about it. Um, and I mean, I, I've never seen this movie, but when Jeffrey and Camilla meet meet, uh, meaning uh, Colin Firth and Rupert Everett, um, uh, she says another time and he answers another country. And that is the name of the movie where Colin Firth and Rupert Everett first appeared in together. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> that's deep. <laughs> some stuff going on in this movie, Jason. One of the references, I, I think it was a reference, or at least I took it as a reference, was the so in the original film there's a character who's a snitch character. She's kind of this redheaded girl with glasses, and she's always getting beat up by the other girls because she's a snitch, right. but she also provides them with information. In yeah. this movie, we have a girl who also has red hair and glasses, except she's much taller. She's very tall, but she's the one that runs all the cameras and and uh, keeps an eye on the school and can see, they have like a teddy bear cam and head cams and all sorts of cameras. Uh, when, when they're doing the heist at the end, they're using cameras to uh, watch the girls go down underneath to blow the door open with their plastic explosives, and it looks like like some sort of like insurgent video, like Al Qaeda circa 2004, like. <laughs> These underground grainy video in the dark with like night vision and shit. <laughs> you know, you're probably not wrong. I will say that the whoever is um, whoever at the school is making these uh, is animating these plans is working on a real tight schedule. Yeah, no, they uh, they they. It was a very good job. I was very impressed with their animated plan. <laughs> but, but, which I mean, they I think they made the plan ten minutes before. Yeah, so, no, they're they're very productive at St. Trinian's if nothing else. <laughs> Whoever's doing that is on the ball. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking up Girl with the Pearl Earring right now, Jason. <laughs> this is 2003, sure enough, Colin Firth and Scarlett Johansson, um, which is kind of weird because I think Scarlett Johansson would – oh, yeah, she was 18 years old. And, uh, you know, Colin Firth was uh, 40, so a little weird. Now it's time for Jason's obvious joke. Did you see the sequel to that movie, Girl with the Pearl Necklace? That one's my favorite. 
You son of a bitch. Oh, I thought you died. I thought you hit the floor. (laughs) My sides, they are a splitting. (laughs) God damn you. It was apparently nominated for three Oscars. Wow. For real? Yeah. Girl with the Pearl Necklace. Oh, I thought you meant seeing Trinian's. (laughs) No, God no. Girl with the Pearl Earring was nominated. Yeah, I remember it in the conversation. 2003, that would have been what? Was that the year Return of the King won Best Picture? I believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was wild. Jason, what uh, what else in this movie do you want to mention? Well, I've got a few moments I want to talk about. Things that I haven't mentioned yet that I just think were funny. Um, Okay. Uh, I, I I found it weird how Annabelle was seeing like phantom girls at the very beginning where she'd like see a girl and then turn and then turn back and they'd be gone. The phantom <laughs> girls all appeared from nowhere and all of a sudden these girls just come out of the woodwork and the place is suddenly full of people. Did you think the twist was it was going to be like a Shyamalan situation where they were actually all ghosts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Annabelle was the only one that was alive. They were all dead. Oh, shit. That's the twist of the movie Annabelle. <laughs> the doll is the only real thing. Yes. Uh, when they were making the vodka, um, they Flash Harry's like kind of saying like, "Look, is the vodka good this time? Is it gonna you know make people go blind, <laughs> and yeah. and or or die?" And one of the girls goes, uh, uh, "Like or yeah, were they gonna die like that old lady did, or like that lady did?" And the girl, what did she say? Where to go here? Uh, she was already old, and I think Russell Brand says she was thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, she was only thirty eight. <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah. Um, if that's permanent i'll see you in court be aware of that i forget what that was oh because because um that's in that's the same scene uh he basically says uh because the they have the they have like the tallest like toughest girl drink the whiskey to to prove that it doesn't kill you and, and then, then she passes out. She passes out, and he says, it looks like she might have brain damage. And he says, if that's permanent, I'll see you in court. Yeah. that's a, You'll Be aware of that. <laughs> be aware of that, yeah. yeah. And, that, and again, that just goes back to my earlier point. I think that's a very Russell Brand line. Yes. I, I like, like that delivery. Te- yes, absolutely. I like the teacher's lounge had a bar and a pool table. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, very so. very similar to the to the original one. Yeah. Um, when, when, when the girls are... Oh, when the girls uh, field hockey team's bus is coming down the road and the other, and the, and the St. Trinian's girls are like behind the Hills waiting for them and they get ready. And the, the little girl goes on my command, unleash hell. <laughs> Maybe One, you know what I will mention is um when they introduced the, when they had the English teacher arriving to the school and Miss Fritton is like showing her around and stuff. Did you think that they were going to do the same thing where she was like undercover? No, like from I the original one. I, I was thinking more like, Something like the um, like the rainbow, like she was like gonna come in and be the new teacher and and kind of get the brunt of their uh, of their uh, you know lack of discipline. You know, this is gonna <laughs> turn into the rainbow. <laughs> well, you know, there's a couple scenes I kind of hope they have in this movie, but they didn't. But I'm fine oh, with that. Hey, I want to throw too, uh, Gemma Arterton. We didn't talk about her very much, but she's very good in this movie too. And and watching it, I think it's very funny that she mentions something about like. The, the the line about Scarlett Johansson just because of that whole thing with uh, where she almost played the role in Under the Skin. Yes. Yes. Yeah, weird. It, it kind of made me laugh. I think she would have been great in that movie, by the way, having seen her in this. I think she has the look. Um, and uh, she's I think she's uh, pretty, pretty solid in this movie. Keep her in mind for the reboot. 
I, I will. And I mean, I've submitted our budget to Paramount. They say it shouldn't cost $500 million, but I tell them we have to pay our actors. That's right. We, we have to pay them a fair wage for a fair day's work. That's right. A fair day. This will take a day to shoot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I, I laugh too when, uh, so when Jeffrey is going through the school and he's seeing the kind of state it's in and he goes into the religious education room and there's a girl crucified on the chalkboard. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> That's pretty fucked up. And then he goes into the room where there's like a girl in a fucking water tank floating, Yeah. <laughs> which they then pull her out at some point because he comes back in and the room's like all cleaned up and everything's normal. And there's this like wet girl hanging around the corner, just dripping and smiling. <laughs> so Toby Jones nearly gets murdered in one scene. Yes. Well, I mean, yes, uh, he does. Um, Colin Firth also steps into a bunch of fucking ants. And then wanders into where the the what were they called again? The popular girls, the posh toddies, the posh toddies are hanging out and then the ants start biting him. So, of course, he takes his pants down to deal with it. And then they find him and he's standing there with his pants on and he says, do you know where the hockey field is? And they throw him out the window because oh. <laughs> he was jerking off. <laughs> but he wasn't. Oh, that's that's the twist. Yeah. Uh, but the, and also I wanted to mention this movie's style. I said it is deep in the naughty oddies and the, the style is very two thousands, very hyper kinetic at points. We have the, uh, using like kind of pop music combined with the fast cutting and the multiple like frames sliding in a little bit of guy Ritchie in there, you know, I mean, pop music to the point where <laughs> it's literally a, a live band performs at the end of the movie. Yeah. It performs their own, their own custom St. Trinian's pop song. Which felt a little shitty to me. I don't know if I really liked that. That was fine. That was fine. It's like yeah. this. Yeah, it was fine. Um, yeah, and, and then, of course, at the end, we have the heist that goes down. We have some nice moments in there and try to get across the rope. Uh, and we have the entrapment reference, as I mentioned earlier, where they have to get through the lasers. And But they don't, they don't quite go as... Um, uh, in an erotic direction in the same way that Catherine Zeta-Jones did. And I really, I think that's for the best because I, I feel like this movie would have had a hard time getting released with such a scene. But uh, but no, they made it work. It looks terrible. It's the worst looking scene in the movie. They're trying to like make it look like lasers in a fucking room and it's just like tinted purple and the lasers. It looks so like, like 15 years before public access special effects compared to the rest of the movie. They don't even look like they're in the same room as the lasers. <laughs> No, it's 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 real bad, but uh, but still uh, good on them. They had to make that reference that they did, so they're in the club. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, this movie cost seven million pounds. That was the budget for this movie. I'd say that's fair. Um, and we're talking about the grosses. Um, it grossed uh, twenty nine point one million dollars. That's all right. So it made its money back. Uh, yes, I I, well, I think seven million pounds is even less than that in American, is it not? Uh, well, uh, $29 million would probably be like, I don't know, 20, 22 million pounds. Oh, okay. It's the other way. Okay. I thought it was the other way. Yeah. No pound, pounds are worth more than dollars usually. Okay. Okay. Well, either way it made quite a bit. Um, it did pretty well. Like I said, the, the highest grossing independent movie of the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not super well received. No, because uh, that we, we talked about that even before when we first announced it. Um, it kind of received some mixed reviews. Uh, I mean, Empire Empire Magazine 
wrote that the film fuses an understanding of what made the originals great with a modern feel. The writers have fulfilled their end of the bargain, which I think is such a fucking <laughs> backhanded compliment. Uh, mm. Even tweaking some of the weaker points of the original story. That's actually one of the more positive ones. Um, uh, the Observer, though, wrote that it is ruckus, leering, crude, and to my mind, lar- largely misjudged, with Rupert Everett playing Miss Fritton as a coquettish transvestite with mm-hmm. the manners of a Mayfair madam. The attempts to shock us failed, though Cheltenham Ladies College may well be affronted to hear one of its teachers say, between you and I. But the preview was packed with girls aged from 7 to 14 who found it hilarious and especially enjoyed Russell Brand. The uh, the other one I want to mention is uh, Derek Malcolm from the Evening Standard said structurally the new movie is a mess and it doesn't look too convincing either with cinematography that uses all sorts of old fashioned dodges to raise a laugh. When you look at it again, the old film was not only superior but rather more radical. This this Saint Trinian's looks at it as if it is aiming at the lowest common denominator and finding it too often. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, so some harsh takes, and I feel like. I'm actually a little bit surprised. I thought uh, I thought you were gonna be gonna be a little more on the offensive here, but it sounds like you actually kind of liked this. I are we ready to go there? Uh, I mean, I think so. All right, then I will tell you that I fucking adored this movie. I wow. enjoyed the shit. Out. I, wow. I was not I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. I, I laughed quite consistently throughout it. I really thought it was a good kind of modern spin on that story. And I liked all the characters and everything. So, you know, I, I'm as surprised as you are, but I just really like this movie. And I think what I really liked about it is that it reminds me of a type of movie that I would watch as a kid uh, in that it's the sort of movie where it's, you know, it's this comedy and it's the sort of thing that you could watch over and over and over. And you get to, you know, you just really get to know the movie. You know, for me, Wayne's World was like that as a kid. But like if you think about the movies in kind of this style, like the, I don't know, something like. Was it heavyweights? Is that the one where a bunch of kids at fat camp have to save the yeah. camp, or or uh, you, you, the, the, those sorts of things? The we got to save the community center type movies, like mm-hmm. like this movie strikes me as something that the kids of a certain age would have watched this movie and then watched it over and over and over, and it's one of their favorites. And I just say I was delighted by it, so I enjoyed myself very much. I don't know that I have high hopes for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> St. Trinian's 2, The Legend of Fritton's Gold. <laughs> Isn't it weird that that's also kind of City Slickers 2? Well, no, it is City Slickers. The, the, it is the subtitle from City Slickers 2. And I thought, the Legend of Curly's Gold. That I must be the it. joke, right? I read it, and I thought that, that I thought it was like literally a joke. Like, like literally somebody was making a joke about what the sequel to that movie would be called. But no, it must be. turns out it's real. <laughs> that's, the it, name, it, that's the name of it. I mean, it must be like no, a reference to City Slickers 2. I mean, at this point, it would have to be. I mean, you could not. I mean, City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold is one of the most popular movies of the 20th century, Brendan. Yes, of course. Everyone's seen it and loves it. Um, I will tell you that uh, apparently there is another sequel, St. Trinian's 3, Battle of the Sexes, that has been in development since 2009. (laughs) has yet to be produced as of January 2020. (laughs) I, I don't know. I have high hopes for seeing that anytime soon do not think that is going to happen but no. uh they even had a competition in 2010 where a girl uh won a walk won a walk-on role in the movie um and it, it just it hasn't happened <laughs> yeah. yeah so maybe we'll have to watch in the future saint trinian's to the legend of fritton's gold yeah I, w- I would be interested that'd be a fun one for another uh, another one of the use sometime 
And if you want to talk about um, the the response from the critics, this one is sort of mixed, sort of negative. That one got trashed. Yeah, it's like fourteen percent or something on the on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this one's 31, and you you are saying you adore it. You are going against the grain, Jason. I am absolutely going against the grain. I can't I can't explain it, but I I thought this movie was great, and I I thought this movie would be a lot of fun for especially if you're a young young lady, like because this movie is 99% female led. Like there's only very few male characters in the movie, and none of them are particularly uh, likable. <laughs> What are you saying about Russell? I, I, I guess I guess Flash here, but also Flash here is a criminal who's buying uh, bootleg liquor from schoolgirls, so not the most stand-up guy. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you want to like, it, I mean, if we're if we're you know, we're gonna split, splitting hairs here. <laughs> uh, but okay, well, I will say um, it was okay. Yeah, I wasn't big into it. I thought I don't know for some reason like just the the way they like modernized it just bothered me i don't know why it bothered me it just didn't feel like the movie would have been fine just being in its own movie i think i don't know there's just it wasn't and it wasn't terrible if we're talking about like you know the movies we've watched for this uh this you know this little diversion we've done for the last like what six or seven movies it's definitely one of the better ones by default for me oh agreed absolutely (laughs) um because we've gone through some fucking trash oh yeah uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it definitely doesn't take the place of the original movie. Um, no, I wouldn't say just, that. Even. It's just kind of, it was just kind of there for me. I, I think it's a good way for people to get interested in the in the series, and and maybe if you saw this, then it would be an impetus to go watch the original one, and maybe if you really really got into it, then watch some of those weird '60s and '70s sequels. Yeah, I'm I'm actually real curious to see what those are like. <laughs> I can't imagine they're that great. <laughs> we'll have to start a whole Saint Trinian's podcast. Oh shit, Saint Trini cast. Saint Truthians, where we tell the truth about the Saint Trinian series. Oh shit, you're talking to a couple of Truthafarians right here. That's right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm sure that offends someone somewhere. <laughs> Let's do some accents, Jason. <laughs> oh. I'm the truth of Varian. Yes. <laughs> I'm Alistair Sim. And I'm Varian. <laughs> yes. Come, come party with me. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think we've covered it. What do you think? I think we've got this one in the bag. So uh, if you believe Brendan, don't really bother with this. And if you believe me, this is a, uh, an entirely acceptable movie to watch. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hate it. So. Yeah. You know, it is and I enjoyed it quite a bit. There you go. So take that split decision with you to the bank. That is right. Put that in your bank and smoke it. But do your banking online if you can at this point in time. Hashtag stay the fuck home. Sorry. So what I will say is we've got one more movie on this journey, Jason. We've got (laughs) one more movie on this journey. And I saved what I think might end up being the best one for last. I hope so. I hope so. This is I I, it's got to be right. Because we are talking about sort of a remake. So this is sort of a remake of a movie we talked about. Of course, we talked about the 1966 Italian film uh, Blow Up, which Mm. was kind of like a mystery thriller without a resolution, which I think we both thought was kind of cool that it took a more realistic approach to that. Yeah. Like, you know, of course, this guy's not going to actually solve this conspiracy. He's just a dude, right? Maybe there wasn't a conspiracy. Who knows? Like. Exactly. Exactly. So this is a 
This is a movie called, we're going to talk about a movie called Blow Out, not Blow Up, but Blow Out. It is a, is a movie made in the 1980s, directed by someone you all may have heard of named Brian De Palma, starring someone you all, I mean, definitely heard of uh, uh, named John Travolta. Oh. Um, it is sort of the similar. It is about a sound engineer who accidentally records someone being murdered while he is out capturing ambient sound, and it just kind of snowballs from there. Ooh, I'm excited. So there we go. So uh, we're going to talk about that next week. And then after that, um, TBA. I'm not sure if we're going back to the list right away after that. We'll talk about it next week. We, we may have some alternate ideas for the core. Uh, yeah, for the core. I mean, we'll see how long this shit's going to last. If this is going to go a while, we might as well go back to the list at some point. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but uh, we will uh, we will make that announcement next week. But for sure next week, join us to talk about uh, Blow Out, which you can probably find streaming somewhere. It's definitely on Criterion. I think, is it? Uh, well, it's a Criterion disc, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, it might be on Criterion. If not, I'm sure you can find it. You guys are whizzes. You know how to find shit. Make That's it happen. Right. So with that being said, Jason, they can find us on social media. They can go on Facebook and search for For Screen. And Country. You can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can find Jason on Twitter. At Jason D. McLeod, that's J- M-A-C-L-E-O-D. I had to and think about he, it for a sec. Well, and, and you can you can follow Jason on Twitter and read all about his schoolyard experiences <laughs> uh, when he used to attend uh, St. Trinian's and all the lovely stories he has. We used to play a lot of magic. Yeah. <laughs> all right. At St. Trinian's. It, it was, it was, we- was kind of weird. The other kids were like, aren't we going to burn cars? And you're like, nope, magic. Nope. Magic the Gathering. It was just all us boys in the basement. That's where they kept us. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, it was a real it was a real Wicker Man scenario. <laughs> oh, you trust me, brother. Uh, the bees. Oh, the bees. <laughs> How to get burned, indeed. Um. <laughs> so with all that, all that being said, Jason, I just have to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Ring the bells. The bells. The bells. Oh, why didn't they have a bell ringer? That's what my question was. Like a like a hunchback bell ringer. Put it in the sequel. Done.
everyone. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. And, and we, we make, make up the Cutaways, Cutaways Podcast. We're watching the good, the bad, and the essentials of the romantic comedy genre. So far, we've fallen in love with Cary Grant, met up with our terrible friend, pal Joey, and had the desire to run our fingers through Patrick Dempsey's hair. Join our slumber party for your ears every other week, brought to you in stereo from our blanket fort in Hollywood, California. You can find and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Our digital blanket fort can be found at thecutaways.com. If you are the social butterfly types, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. Bye!